You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Greetings and salutations to one and all. Thanks for tuning in to episode 54 of Mission Lab. The title of this episode is Community a la carte, question mark. And the day has come. I thought it was going to arrive a lot sooner than this. The day has come when I am doing an episode on my own. Now, technically, we ha- I have done a few episodes on my own. I think I did the story of God by myself, but that was kind of a unique situation because I was just literally kind of reciting a story. This one is a full-on episode where I'm going to be sharing my spontaneous thoughts. Well, they're not completely spontaneous. I have a little outline here, believe it or not, which is very prepared for me. Uh, Usually, I'm very spontaneous, but anyway, um, but yeah, this is just going to be me, Camille. Uh, we've just been really busy lately and, uh, summer is here and we're maximizing our time outside. I guess technically summer is not here for another 18 days or so. Uh, but, uh, the weather is good and you know how we like to talk about the weather and, and, uh, you know, we're not happy with, when it's cold for too long, I, I like winter, but um, it does get a little long. But anyway, we're busy. Camille is at our book club tonight. We had a few other uh, ideas that we were working on, but they, they just didn't come together. And so tonight I thought I would go solo because I could not stand the thought of not having an episode this week. After all, we have a 53-week streak going on. And so I just, perhaps in my insecure self, wanted to make sure we had an episode this week. Uh, There are a lot of episodes that I'm excited about that we will hopefully bring down the pike. We'll be coming down the pike here shortly. Um, We have a few different requests that have come in, including, and I was hoping we were going to do it this week, but it will have to be hopefully next week. So the person who requested it, please hang tight. But an episode on how to get our children, especially our teenage children, on mission and doing discipleship and doing that whole missional thing. So that one's exciting. Um, Hoping to have an episode with some of my church members at some point. Hoping to have an episode talking about... uh, this process that we're going through as a church, restarting our church. Um, I am hoping to have an episode at some point in the near future with a friend of mine who has a journey that needs to be heard. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I know I like, as I said, I'm spontaneous. So I'm thinking as I speak, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a spoiler. So uh, there's a, f- a friend of mine that I've been wanting to have on the show for a while, and it will be good. It will be huge. It, you won't want to miss it. Just trust me on that. But anyway, um, 
tonight or this morning or whenever you're listening to this, I am recording this at night. Tonight, this episode is called Community a la carte question mark. And this is a an idea that I have been thinking about for a while, and I've wanted to go in this direction, but the other host of the show, who will remain nameless, has been a little less enthused about doing this episode. Not to say that this person, he or she, doesn't want to do it, but um, it's probably one of those topics that I am more burdened by, and uh, not, again, that the other host, my co-host, he or she, who will remain nameless, does not think it's a good topic, but just this provides a good opportunity for me to talk about it. So, as I said, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and recently, with events in my own congregation, and um, just in general... I have been uh, impressed afresh of the importance of this particular topic. So this is what I'm gonna. This is this is what the topic is: community a la carte question mark. The answer is wholeheartedly no. Now let me explain. All right, now that I've given you that little teaser, this is going to sound very, very, very extreme. But I am an idealist. And I have a hard time surrendering to anything that's not the ideal. But this is my proposal to you. I don't think that we should ever, and I know I shouldn't use the word ever or never or always. In fact, I tell my family to not use those terms Um but I think this is pretty close to forever in this context. I don't think we should ever do anything as a church with a group of people that we are not in a committed, covenanted, life-on-life relationship with. With that said, I'm gonna, and I'll return to that in a minute, but with that said, I will... I will uh, give a caveat. I am not saying that this applies to our weekend, and in my case, Sabbath morning worship service, but everything else beyond that, we should never do anything as a church with a group of people we are not in a committed, covenanted, life-on-life relationship with. Now, I'll also temper that a little bit by saying, okay, if you are not in a missional community group with John Doe, that doesn't mean you should never go get ice cream with him. What I mean by this specifically is we should never put on events wherein the people that participate in these events are not also sharing life with us outside of that event. So let me give you a very, very, very perhaps sensitive example. I'm thinking of a historic institution within my particular denomination, something called, and this is just an example, I'm not saying we need to 
do away with the whole institution. But we have something called, are you ready for it? Sabbath school. I'm sure you've heard of this. If you are a Seventh-day Adventist, if you are a part of our my particular community of faith. So we have something in Sab- called Sabbath school. And what happens in Sabbath school is that a random group of people shows up each week, and usually there is a teacher. And we won't go into all the ins and outs of Sabbath school. I do have very, very strong opinions about that whole thing aside from this point. Um, But what happens is it's a random collection of people that come to Sabbath school. These people who show up, while they might be regular, and there's people you know that are going to be there from week to week, typically, the people that show up typically, and I would say almost always, at least in the context that I've seen, but they have no true commitment to each other besides sitting in a room together at that moment and in that time and in that place. The moment the event ends, the Sabbath school ends, there is no expectation per se that those people that have left that Sabbath school will have any sort of intersection for the next six days. And so everyone goes on their merry way. And then there's, you know, there might be occasional interaction. It's certainly not expected or regular or committed. Uh, There might be some limited interaction from time to time, but six days passes. There's been no contact. There's been no interaction. Six days passes and those people come back. Now, Maybe they, maybe some of the people come back. Maybe some of the other people don't come back. The next week, you also have other random people that show up. And it's almost like no two meetings have the same group of people again. And it's a constant turnover. And it is, uh, in some ways, discipleship and community a la carte. Now, why is this so important and significant, and why do I think we should never do it? Well, because if we do not have life-on-life, committed, covenanted relationships, when we are in those events or meetings, it prohibits us from having true, deep, practical conversation. Um, anything other than a, a uh, life-on-life committed covenanted relationship uh, can only produce a shallow experience where the conversation and anything that might even remotely hint at discipleship is just theory. It's abstract. It can't fully uh, engage the whole person because we don't have access to their life outside of that meeting. Um, There is no accountability. Now, again, this might happen if I'm a Sabbath school teacher and week after week, uh, John shows up and one week all of a sudden John's not there. I might give him a call and say, hey, John, we've missed you, but 
that is certainly not the norm, nor is it expected per se. Now, again, I no doubt some of you who might be listening might be saying to yourself, oh, that's not been my experience. That's not what we do at our church. But by and large, that's that's been my observation in the churches I've attended, the churches I've pastored, the churches I've been involved with. And so there is no speaking into the life of that person as a whole person. Um, and so the events we put on necessarily ha- can only go so deep because, again, it's a random collection of people who may or may not show up at any given week. So the same applies for whether we're talking uh, Sabbath school, prayer meeting, uh, other events that we put on. It is simply uh, a an experience where we're not fully speaking into one another's life. And so this prevents... The very, I mean, it doesn't prevent, but it makes it very, very hard to achieve the one task that we've been given, and that is to make disciples. Um, I think a lot of what we've concluded and what we do as as a church is we um, we think our main task is the transfer of information. That's what we basically, I think, a lot of times have concluded is our task is simply the transfer of biblical information, the transfer of theological knowledge, the transfer of, of, uh, of philosophical ideas. But we, of course, as we've said many times before, the, the mission of the church is to go out into the world and make disciples. And a disciple is a person who is learning to follow Jesus in all of life, and that requires other people to be involved with us in all of life. And uh, as I've said before, no doubt that sanctification is a team sport. Discipleship is a team sport. Uh, so what happens is when we talk about when I talk about community and discipleship a la carte, is a la carte, as you might know, is where you can order from the menu, so to speak, and you can just order random, items of food, and instead of having everyone have the same thing, I can just pick and choose what I want. And so many times churches, uh, even thriving large churches, they allow you to simply experience community a la carte. You can show up to an event if you want, and well, maybe this week I don't feel like showing up, so I'm not going to, and there's not somebody there who's going to lean into and provide any sort of follow-up or accountability. Yeah, maybe I might have a friend who checks up on me every once in a while. This is especially true, by the way, in a larger church where, uh, you know, there's no, um, it's easier to blend in. It's easier to be a face in the crowd. It's maybe a little harder to just kind of be forgotten in a smaller church. But again, even there, if we're just putting on events, it allows us to pursue a very individualistic uh, religious life. And again, we can just avoid going to events that we don't care about, and we can avoid people that we don't care about. And uh, we can, it's, so it just, it just really uh, creates an environment where true community and discipleship can't really happen because 
I am simply having, by and large, a bunch of shallow relationships with a bunch of people. So the the need that we have as uh, people who are trying to make disciples is we need to have deep, meaningful relationships where we allow people to have access to our lives, not just for an hour or two on a Saturday or Sunday morning or an hour or two on a Wednesday evening. We need to open ourselves up to other people's observation so that they so that we can be, first of all, uh, convinced of their love and acceptance. And as we may have talked about before, um, it's not enough for a church to be simply a friendly church. You know, I've heard people say that, oh man, that church is so friendly. And that's good. That's nice. But what we need is to be churches that are not just friendly, but embracing. And in, in order for somebody to be fully embraced, they need to be fully known. And again, if they're just showing up at events, there's only so deep we can go. And so somebody can only feel love to the degree that they feel known by us. Um, so it's not enough to be a friendly church. We need to have a church that embraces and knows people and invites them into life with those in the church. And so we need to go deep with people. I think of, and we've, we've uh, read this passage before, but I think of this amazing, amazing passage uh, in Mark chapter 3, um, this is Jesus when he had called the 12 disciples. And uh, Mark makes this awesome statement. It says in verse 13, Mark 3, verse 13, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he, that is Jesus, this is talking about Jesus, appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So when Jesus called the disciples, he was not calling them to an event. He wasn't like, hey, show up at my program. I'm going to put on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock, be there from seven to eight, and then you can go back your merry way. When you were a disciple of somebody in those days, when you were, when you had a teacher, when you had a rabbi, you were with them. You did life with them. You followed them. You you gave yourself to them. You were basically with them round the clock. You ate with them. You slept near them. You, you did life together. You learned together. You worked together. You traveled together. This was basically a 24-7 thing. And so Jesus did this with, with the disciples for three and a half years, basically. Now, some astute observer will no doubt say, yeah, but there was a lot of people who were just faces in the crowd and uh, they, uh, you know, Jesus had a lot of shallow relationships. He definitely did. He most definitely did. There's no doubt about that. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for public ministry. Again, I think a Saturday morning worship gathering where we may not necessarily be doing life with all the people that are there. I'm, not, I'm saying that there's still a place for that. But the primary, the primary um, vehicle by which we achieve and accomplish discipleship, which again is our task, is to formulate communities where we have access to one another's life 
and we are able to observe people in all contexts of life. So, you know, as, as I've explained to some of my uh, church members before, you're going to learn a lot about me, uh, a lot more about me if you're sitting down and observing me watch a, I hate to say it, but a f- Patriots game. And you're going to be like, whoa, okay, you can preach nice sermons, hopefully. Uh, but this brings out a different side of you that we've never seen before. So you and I can sit in a classroom together and I can teach you things and I can observe you in a classroom. But what are you really like when you're outside the classroom? What is, what, you know, what are the things that are really going on in your heart? And this is what Jesus was able to do with his disciples. He was able to observe them. He was able to do life with them. He was able to recognize what their deficits were and see what their needs were. And so he had access to them and they had access to him. And he was not only, and sometimes I speak of it in the sense that, you know, we need to be able to hold people accountable. So we need to be able to see all their bad stuff, but we need to also be able to observe the awesome things about people so that it can disciple us. Um, you know, again, sitting in a classroom, I may be able to, to, to know, hey, you're a bright person. But when I'm walking beside you and I can see how you treat people with love and kindness, that rubs off on me. And that is ultimately what is going to be the most influential in my journey and my discipleship is being discipled by somebody who is living out the gospel. I think of an example with my own experience where there are some types of conversations that I would love to be able to seamlessly have with people that I'm seeking to introduce to Jesus. And I'm like, oh man, I just don't know really how to bring that up and I don't know how to say it and I don't know what the appropriate time is. And I I would just long to be able to be with somebody else who is literally doing that in the moment so that I can observe what that looks like. It's one thing for me to sit in a classroom and to have somebody explain it to me, but when I actually see them doing it, uh, that is going to be a lot more uh, practical and significant and impactful on me. And so discipleship in this context is not just a negative, hey, I can see the bad things you're doing and I can you know, correct you, but see the really good things that I need to learn how to do myself. So when we have, again, community a la carte, we are not able to maximize our, um, our ability to make disciples and to speak into all of life. And again, our conversations will simply be shallow because it's just a random hodgepodge collection of people. So again, Jesus was with the disciples 24-7, basically for three and a half years. He wasn't simply inviting them to an event. He wasn't simply having a random collection of people show up each week to really disciple them. Again, he had sermons occasionally for the masses, but by and large, his ministry, his his most of his work was focused on these 12 men that he lived life with and shared his life with for three and a half years. So... That's the bottom line. I am, and I I was wanting to do this on an episode at some point, not even tell Camille ahead of time, but lay this idea down on her. I am thinking, this is going to sound crazy, 
that there might just be a place for a church to hold a ceremony, if you will, or in a, or or a, I don't know, I'll just call it a ceremony, where where individuals who have committed to one another in discipleship literally stand up front at this ceremony, and they literally make a, they declare their commitment to one another, and they make a vow to one another. I know that sounds crazy, especially if it's like a couple dudes doing it. And in this in this day and age where, you know, many people are hypersensitive about, especially at least in the church, I know in the in outside the church it may not sound as crazy, uh, but in a completely non-romantic way, there's something to be said for deep covenanted commitment that is just not very present today. We are, um, we live in a day and age where, again, it's very individualistic and we don't have strong commitments towards one another and we don't, you know, keep our, our commitments to one another. And it's very easy for someone to just not show up because, oh, something came up. That's been one of the great frustrations that we've experienced as we've been trying to do this whole missional discipleship community thing is that, you know, sometimes we're just like, oh, I had a hard week, so I'm not going to show up. Um, that's still going to happen, but it has happens less often when we are a group of people who have committed to one another to have access to one another, not just at a meeting once a week, but throughout our week so that we are doing life together. So, you know, yeah, maybe a, a, a whole missional community stands up and says, you know, we are committing to one another till death do us part, so to speak. Um, maybe it's in one of these smaller discipleship groups, DNA groups, but we are committing to one another till death do us part. I think there's some there there there's something that could be gained from that where again it it just is a public affirmation that we are committed to one another unconditionally where you know we're we we are accepting one another we're embracing one another we are are in a covenanted relationship with one another and so i just think that would be awesome um so yeah that's my idea i i just don't think there's much value in putting on events where the people who attend are not committed to one another in a, not just like a general, yeah, you know, we care about each other, but in a, in a covenanted way where we are actually seeking to do life with one another outside of that context as well. I just don't see much value in putting on those events uh, just to me, and it's almost hard for me to describe, it just feels so empty and it feels so shallow and it feels so temporal. Like, yeah, like, okay, who's going to show up this week? And uh, you just put on events and you pray that somebody shows up. Um, you know, it needs to be, the events need to be born out of the community. You can't establish community via the event is maybe a way of putting it. You know, if, if a community wants to put on events that's doing life together, that's one thing. But you can't expect to form any deep 
intimate community where it's just people are free to randomly show up if they want to or not. I just, it just, I don't think it can happen. So uh, just something to think about. Uh, I certainly would encourage literally if, if I were restarting a church and my members who are listening to this, maybe before our next meeting on uh, Tuesday, June, what, five, where we're going to actually start talk about how we gather. Maybe you can anticipate where I'd like to go. And that is if I were to restart a church or start a church, we're not putting on events. We are creating communities who figure out the best ways to meet together and do life together. Um, but just a random collection of people, I don't see the value in it. So get back to me if you've uh, if your mind has been stimulated or if you disagree with me or you are um, confused or whatever. Um, get back to me. Let me know. I'd love to hear your feedback, whatever it is. But that's my take. And that's my uh, almost 30-minute monologue on this idea. So thanks for listening to Mission Lab. And hopefully my dear wife will be back on with me next week. But uh, again, have a great week. And oh, I forgot to mention, I almost forgot to mention, um, an amazing, an amazing book that you must read. And I don't know if we've mentioned this book in the past, but you absolutely positively must read it. If you haven't already, and even if you have, read it again. It is a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or Hofer. Bonhoeffer, I think, is technically the German way of saying it. Um, He, of course, was a theologian and pastor back in 1930s and 40s Germany. He was uh, a person who was a dissident when it came to the Nazis and Adolf Hitler. And of course, there's some discussion as to whether he was or was not a, an individual who was conspiring to assassinate Hitler. Either way, he ended up in prison um, and died just a few, was, was, uh, um, was killed just a few weeks or months before the war ended. Just tragic. But um, anyway, he wrote this classic book called Life Together, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, an amazing book. It's a pretty quick read, um, 100 and, I don't know, 20 pages long. And uh, it's easily, as the subtitle or the moniker says, the classic exploration of Christian community. It is a fantastic book. I just can't say enough good about it. Really um, introduced some ideas to me that were new to me, and also affirmed other ideas that were in the back of my mind or that I had known already, but just a really, really, really good book. So I can't recommend that book enough. Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, written, of course, uh, 90 years ago or so. So, you know, his writing is um, not necessarily contemporary, but it is important and good enough for you to go get a copy and read it. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, let's do true community. Let's not do faux community. 
where it's just shallow and there's no commitment to one another. So thanks for listening. We will catch up with you next time on Mission Lab. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Thank you.